Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A. FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Cara Natterson. And I'm Vanessa Kroll Bennett. Each week, we dive into the what and how of raising kids through puberty, that roller coaster of physical and emotional shifts for kids and parents alike. Combining reliable science and relatable parenting strategies, we will all learn about, laugh about, and yes, maybe even cry about adolescence, ours and theirs. Monica Corcoran Harrell is the founder of Pretty Ripe, an award-winning multimedia platform for women over 40, which covers beauty, fashion, wellness, the empowerment of midlife and modern feminism, and is where I found my favorite pair of wedge shoes. <gasps> As a side note. Okay, I need I need those one more time. Oh yeah. As a proud Gen Xer. Corcoran Harrell also reaches her peers as a writer for the New York Times, The Hollywood Reporter, and Marie Claire. Monica lives in LA with her family and a glum rabbit. <laughs> Don't get me started on the rabbit. I mean, glum as the modifier is just the most brilliant thing ever. Mm-hmm. I just want to say so we talked about puberty on my IG Live and you relayed a statistic that wowed me. And even though I have an 11-year-old daughter solely and no son, you mentioned that boys in puberty get a boner every 45 minutes to an hour. I went to a dinner party the next night, and that was all I wanted to talk about. (laughs) Now, keep in mind, there were maybe six moms there. Three of them had boys. And one mom glared at me like, (gasps) I do not want to hear about this. Did that stop me? No. Of course not. Yeah. And I was like, you do want to hear about this because you're going to be living this and this is important information. I want to talk about that because I love that you just insisted on discussing it at a dinner party. You're my people. And also, it's a great place to start where people don't want to talk about the uncomfortable stuff, but it only makes it worse to not talk about the uncomfortable stuff. Because, hey, lady... Your kid's going to get a boner whether you talk about it or not. And if you don't talk about it, it's going to make him think something is wrong with him. So speaking of talking about uncomfortable stuff that we need to talk about. The unmentionables. The unmentionables. <laughs> There's actually nothing I know where you're going. <laughs> okay. So you're a journalist who launched a newsletter aimed at women in their 40s and beyond. But you're also a mother of an 11-year-old daughter and you are in... Perimenopause. Perimenopause. Yes. 
And we maybe want to spend a minute on the like medical definitions here, not of puberty. Hopefully if you've listening to the puberty podcast, you know, the definition of puberty, but perimenopause versus menopause. And how do we know? And all of that, you had your daughter in your forties. I did. And you write about that. Now your daughter's a tween. You are in the perfect storm of mm-hmm. hormonal, I won't call it hell. I'm not going to place judgment no, call it or that. value. <laughs> we live in a hell house, a haunted hell house of hormones. With your glum rabbit. Yes. You're a writer. You're like this beautifully expressive person. Paint a picture for us of what the hell house with the glum rabbit looks <laughs> and sounds like on a normal day. I think in order to paint that picture accurately, I should tell you that I went into perimenopause probably a couple of years ago. And I started by like, I couldn't focus on on anything. I was so distracted. Then I started having night sweats. And like many women, I didn't really know what was happening to me. There is no Judy Bloom for women going through perimenopause. There is no sex education. And there was a lack of information out there, which is why I started Pretty Ripe. But so I'm going through that. My hormones are retreating, which is what happens during perimenopause. My daughter is now 11. At the age of 10, my daughter called me into the bathroom. She'd just gotten her period after getting out of the shower. I have to tell you, I had to rearrange my face from horrified because I got my period at 13. Mm-hmm. So at 10, I... This was not 10, on your calendar. Not, not even remotely. So I had to rearrange my face from horrified to smiling. What a joy. But being realistic, too, and knowing this was scary for her. Mm-hmm. So she got her period at 10, and that's the early side. Had you talked about no. periods with her before she got no. her period? Okay. But I had given her Cara's book. Or is it Dr. Cara? No, it's Cara. Okay. Don't be silly. Don't be clear about titles. Um, I have none. <laughs> it's hey you. It's yes. lady. <laughs> I had given her your book because about six months earlier, I think I had noticed that she had some pubic hair. Mm-hmm. That also shocked the hell out yeah. of me. Yeah. yeah. But she didn't look at it and she really didn't want to talk about puberty. Yeah. So while my hormones are retreating, hers are surging. On right? the march. Yeah. So we're both experienced. What's really interesting to me is that there are a lot of similarities. Like people call perimenopause and menopause puberty in reverse, Mm -hmm. which is in essence what it is. Like you're backing out of it and they're pulling into it. And so there are a lot of similarities. You know, we're both in bad moods. We're both slamming doors. I swear my husband every once in a while, I mean, I think he just wishes that he could have some sort of hormonal surge because he's caught in the crossfire. It makes me definitely more empathetic. I understand what she's Mm. going through. But we're both grappling with, you know, a tsunami of emotions. And it makes it really hard. And let's just paint a picture of what hormones in reverse looks like biologically. So for anyone who has ever had a pregnancy, a sustained pregnancy that goes on for months and months and months, right? And then the pregnancy ends, you have a baby, right? And then what happens is all of the hormones that were necessary to sustain that pregnancy retreat. And what does it look and feel like? Well, it's different for every person. A lot of crying. But there's Mm. a lot of emotion. And so we talk on this podcast a lot about the surges of hormones in the young body, but the retreat of hormones, both post-pregnancy and in perimenopause, 
now that feels a little more recognizable to a lot of people, right? It feels just as emotionally labile, as emotionally unpredictable. And it's not a slow, steady decrease over time. It's that same sort of start and stop. And mm-hmm. and there are moments where hormones are probably higher and there are moments where they're definitely lower because the body does that and it surges on its own. So what you felt when you were sort of imagining a scenario in your house right. as you were painting the picture, I was watching it on your face, that if it was just a slow mm. diminishing volume right. of hormone, it would feel less startling, but yeah. it's not. It's kind of all over the map for her and it's kind of yeah. all over the map for you. Cara, what's the difference between perimenopause and menopause? Yeah, I mean, peri is the medical term for around. So the concept of perimenopause is sort of a descriptive bucket of all the things that can happen as hormones begin to shift and as the ovaries begin to shut down their ovulation function. So for some people, perimenopause has no symptoms and is not recognizable. Some people sail through this period around menopause and don't even notice it. Mm. And other people, (laughs) Monica's like, "Mm, not me. Monica's like, I want to kill those people. (laughs) (laughs) At 1%. (laughs) for, For other people, perimenopause you can sort of have a checklist of symptoms or physical and emotional experiences that go along with shifting hormones. And it can last weeks, months, years. I'm not an expert in perimenopause, but the physician in me wants to just mention when you get labs done and when your gynecologist or your internist is looking to see where you are remember that those labs are a moment in time. And as I've said, it's not a slow, slow, steady retreat. It's a stop and a start and a search and a drop. And a, so if you get a snapshot of your blood at 9 a.m. on a Friday, if you were to draw your blood at 3 p.m. on that Friday, your lab results might look a little bit different. And so who is labeled as perimenopausal is also a little bit subjective because sometimes it has to do with a lab test that might be cusp. And if you just draw the lab at the right moment in time, you're going to pick it up. And so we talk a lot on this podcast about the power of labeling and being able to identify what is making me feel this way. And sometimes being labeled as perimenopausal is a relief because you can have an explanation to the way that you feel physically and emotionally. And if you don't fall within the clinical window because of either where your hormones are at or when that lab is drawn, um, sometimes it can be really distressing. Mm, Like, well, why aren't I in perimenopause? It feels like it. I have night sweats every night. I, you know, I have, and we can go through this. I think also some women are really reluctant to acknowledge this transition because there's a lot of shame and stigma and that's lifting, thankfully. But, you know, I was thinking this morning that my life is a succession of, that's not going to happen to me. I don't know how many mm. times I've said that when I tried to get pregnant with my daughter starting at 40. People are like, it might be hard. That's not going to happen to me. It happened to me. I had to do IVF, you know, three times. If you ask me, is your daughter going to get her period early? That's not going to happen to me. She right. did. Same with going into perimenopause. I think we just figure, again, not going to happen to me. 
But when you talk about hormones, I have to say, I always think it reminds me of like a student driver parallel parking. That's what my hormones feel like. It's like (laughs) backwards, forward, backwards, forward. Oh, I hit that car. Okay. That's okay. Oh, you're fine. You're doing fine. No one Um, will notice. No one will notice the scratch on the other car. But there is that, that misnomer that like, you know, it is a smooth back backing out of these hormones retreating very like gracefully and it's not that at all. Nothing graceful. No. So let's go back to what you just said about that's not going to happen to Mm. me, right? I want to think about that. I want to explore that both in the context of your life and in the context of caring for your daughter. If you knew that your daughter was going to get her period at 10, what would you have done differently, if anything, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, so on and so forth. What do you wish you had done? What would you say to someone else if they could have um, look into the future and know? I'm just going to interject with my favorite medical term of all time. We have this tool that we call the retrospectoscope. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Right. It's got 2020 vision. Right. <laughs> it's of course entirely imaginary. I right. thought you were going to say middle schmertz again. Do you know what, do you know what middle schmertz is? Something that it's, comes out of you, right? It's, well, it sounds like it's something that comes out of you. It's the, actually the, the twinge. The twinge that you get when you're ovulating. Oh, yes. Middle Schwartz. Yeah, which I had three days ago. And I was like, middle Schwartz. Yes. The retrospectoscope <laughs> helps you to see your middle Schwartz. Okay. Go um, on, Monica. Had I known that, I think I would have looked at your book because just as I said, my daughter didn't read it. I am guilty too because I handed it to her mm. and I didn't read it. I did try to get us to sit down and read it together. We didn't. I think I would have also Me too, Monica. Prepared <laughs> to make you feel better. <laughs> I would have prepared a reaction because that's really important. My daughter looked up at my face and read my expression and I had to change it really fast because I was shocked. Mm. She was even more shocked than mm-hmm. I was. So I had to rearrange my features, as I said. And what I told her, I think I actually did a pretty good job, all considering, was that someone always has to be first and someone always has to be last. Mm -hmm. Now, in my mind, that seems like comforting. But when I think about it, if my mom had said that to me, that probably wouldn't have helped that much. But I made that really clear to her. And I also said, this is a big deal, but it's also no big deal. Mm -hmm. It's like women get pregnant every day, but also getting pregnant is amazing. Girls are getting their period around the world right now. It's kind of no big deal in that way. It's a really big deal to you. And I got to say, I thought that was pretty good. I think I'm that's impressed. a win. Yeah. I'm impressed. <laughs> and I mean, if I had just thought about my face a little bit and maybe prepped a little bit mm. about what it means. When you noticed that she had pubic hair, what did you do or say? If I'd had a cup of coffee, I would have done a spit take in our bathroom because I was like, and then I literally left and went back in to look again. I thought it was a trick of the eyes. I don't know what I thought it was. And I said something to her about it, and she shut me down really fast. Mm. She was like, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. And then my daughter has a way of, like, glaring at me in such a way that I leave quickly. If the glare goes right through you. Yeah. I have to say that when your child goes into puberty early, and I don't know if this is the case with boys, but you have a tween that's kind of acting like a teen. So that's where I want to go with this conversation. I start crying when I think about that because it's really hard to have like an 11-year-old acting like a 14-year-old. Yeah. Monica, I think one of the hardest things is 
for the kids who have to go first. And there is, like you said, there is someone who always has to go first in puberty and there's someone who goes last. And those are, we like to say, the hardest ones. It's also really hard for the parents, both when you have a kid who goes first and when you have a kid who goes last. Can you talk through your internal monologue as you think about your daughter and what that has been like for her, what you know it to be like, what you imagine it to be like, and what it's like for you as her parent. For both of us, I can safely say it was scary. For me, I'm going to lead with me, it was scary because I knew the responsibilities that come with having your period. Mm -hmm. Because I got mine at 13 and my peers had already gotten their period, like I had these dojos who had told me about it. I'd read, are you there? God, it's me, Margaret, 95 times. For my daughter being the first, she didn't have friends that she could um, talk to about it. But like, let's get primal. You look down at your underwear and she was about to get in the shower and she saw blood. And I'm thankful that she knew that it wasn't a medical situation beyond menstruation, the start of menstruation. But that's really fucking scary yeah, yeah. at 10. Yeah. Um, Most kids think they poop their pants. Yeah. I mean, she knew, but she was sort of pointing like, what the? And I was like, what the? No, great. You know? <laughs> so I think it's scary for both of us. And then I think for me, you know, I fast forwarded to, oh my God, you know, swimming. You're not going to be able to swim because you have your period. Right. Or, you got tactical. I did. I started thinking yeah. of all the, I wouldn't call them superficial, but like, the blockades that come from having your period, whether it's gym class or this or that. I didn't even really think about cramps because I don't think I experienced that so profoundly growing up. But I didn't think about the emotions. I forgot about being distressed and not knowing why. I forgot that even though I was 13, I didn't understand why I was so angry. And a quick anecdote, there was a point where my daughter and I were fighting over something with her computer and I looked at her and I was like, I don't know why I'm so angry about this. And she said, neither do I. And I realized, I said, I think it's her hormones. And then she was like, oh, no, please don't talk about hormones again. But I mean, when I think about it, I think it's the moods. It's the emotions. And then I didn't even bring up with her the meaning of now that you've started to menstruate, you could get pregnant because we hadn't talked about sex yet. Right. And I was like, I don't know how much I can double down on this. Yeah. And I remember you gave great advice on the IG Live we did where you said, stick with one topic. You know, we all have agendas and sometimes we fail at one topic. So we go to topic number two. And I, I really tried to keep it simple. Hey, it's Cara. We all know puberty isn't always easy. One of the trickiest pieces of the puberty puzzle is boobs. When will I get them? Why are they so tender? And why does every bra out there seem to pull, push, pad, itch, scratch, or be so flimsy it doesn't do a thing? That's where Umla comes in. It's a company that makes puberty comfortable, a company I founded with my friend Julie. When our own daughters began the puberty journey, we couldn't find a decent starter bra anywhere. So we made one. It fits perfectly whether boobs are just starting to bud or they've been growing for a few years. We call it the Umbra, 
And it's game-changing. The Umbra is made from buttery cotton that feels like second skin, ridiculously soft, and so comfortable you'll forget you're wearing anything at all. Umbra's one-of-a-kind support comes from its patented layered design that creates gentle compression without any tight binding, which also means it doesn't need any bulky, awkward pads because it's built to seamlessly hide nipples and protect against those dreaded ouch moments throughout the day. Our daughters and their friends are done with puberty, but they still love and wear their Umbra's. It's why we say that the Umbra may be your first bra, but it will definitely be your favorite bra. Come say hi, look around, and find your Umbra, plus lots of other puberty info at myoomla.com. That's M-Y-O-O-M-L-A dot com. We know it's really tough when a kid's skin is breaking out for the first time or the hundredth time, but now there's an effective product that can help. It's called Phyla, and it's clinically proven to fix acne by targeting the bad bacteria on the skin without eliminating all the good bacteria. This rebalances the skin's microbiome, treating existing breakouts and preventing new ones. Phyla's active ingredient is a probiotic isolated from the skin of healthy, acne-free individuals. This means Phyla can stop acne before it starts by eliminating bacteria in the pores without irritating or drying skin. And Phyla is safe for kids of all ages. Dermatologists recommend this easy three-step system. Just cleanse, apply serum, and moisturize twice a day. My own kids actually use this product. They love it because it works so well. Get 25% off your first order of Phyla with the code PUBERTY. Go to phylabiotics.com and type in the code PUBERTY at checkout. Link is in the show notes to get started. After we've been Zooming all day, we both hit the same wall. We forgot about dealing with dinner. But given what we do for a living, we know the importance of feeding ourselves and our families well. And we want it to be yummy. So we're psyched to have found Factor. Factor's chef-created, ready-to-eat meals show up at our front doors. With over 35 different options a week to choose from, Cara goes vegan and veggie while I opt for a whole variety since I have so many kids. Two-minute prep gets us restaurant-quality full meals, snacks, and smoothies. And Factor is less expensive than takeout. And because flexibility is key, you can choose anywhere from 6 to 18 meals per week, and you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. Factor meals require no prepping, no cooking, and no cleanup. Our kids are thrilled by the lack of dishes. So get started today and have a week of meals ready to go, taking the dinner prep pressure off. Head to factormeals.com puberty50. Use the code PUBERTY50 to get 50% off. That's code PUBERTY50 at factormeals.com slash PUBERTY50. 
This is Amanda Hirsch from the Not Skinny But Not Fat podcast. You might know me from Not Skinny But Not Fat on Instagram, where I spend my time talking about reality TV, celebrities, everything happening, and pop culture every Tuesday, okay? I also talk to some of our favorite celebs and reality TV stars. We talk about what's going on. Tune in every Tuesday and just feel like you're talking with your best friends in your living room. There are so many conversations to be had, but you had this experience with her where basically she's a baby. She's a 10-year-old girl who looks older, who's having a period. The world looks at her and assumes she's capable of making more sophisticated decisions than she's capable of making, that you know for sure that to be true. Now let's layer on the fact that at the same time, you're heading out the back end, right? So not only are your hormones sort of shifting and falling slowly in this very chaotic kind of way, but you're also losing that piece of your life. You're making this march towards essentially permanent infertility, right? And all the things that, so now layer on for us, for those, especially those parents who are raising tweens and teens and they're going through their own maturation process, what did that feel like? Right. If I were in a Lifetime movie, I'd probably be jealous of my daughter's glowing skin, <laughs> right? And I'd be like, oh. But honestly, I feel like this is the best time of my life. And while I see some biological changes that don't thrill me, I'm really excited about where I'm at at this age. And those symptoms are a byproduct of it. But when I weigh it out, I find that the confidence and the certainty that I have in who I am overrides what I miss. And, you know, people talk about the invisible woman, and I really don't subscribe to that myth. I feel like at my age, I am more visible to people who are more important to me. Mm. Like maybe someone's not going to wink at me at the grocery store or offer to carry my bags or whatever it is, whatever those, um, that attention that goes by the wayside. I don't really miss that. I much prefer that I walk into a room and I feel like I make eye contact often with women and we bond uh, really quickly. And I wanted to bring up like the idea that I'm going through perimenopause while my daughter's going through puberty, I have this great empathy. And if I'd had her when I was 30, I wouldn't be in this place. And I don't know if I'd remember getting my own period. But in a way, I'm like, I'm here with you. Mm -hmm. I'm in the front seat of the car or I should be driving, but I'm gonna let you drive. And you're also at a stage of life where for anyone who hasn't read your newsletter, I strongly recommend it's small digestible bits of content that really reflect where you are. You have confidence. You are happy with who you are, the body you inhabit, and the life you're living. And that is a gift to show a kid who is going through puberty because the one common thread for almost every child who is going through a transformation, right, is that they don't know where it's going and they don't know where it's landing and their confidence is generally not high. So having a parent at a stage of life where they can embrace confidence is amazing. And for parents who are in this stage of life and feeling 
badly about themselves. I think the great lesson that they can take from everything that you're putting out into the world is that there is a a lot of room to shift your mindset and the modeling for your kids is tremendous. It's just tremendous. And that in transition, right, in moments of uncertainty and change, that you can bring your flair and your style and your creativity and your curiosity, right? It doesn't have to shut down all parts of yourself because you are in a moment of or long moments of change. And that modeling for our kids to say, hey, it's a shit show right now. I'm not going to lie. It's a mess here. It's a mess at school. But you can still like throw yourself into it with your own style and your own approach. And we're going to like make it work. We're going to fake it till we make it. And I really appreciate that because kids in the middle school years and the puberty years are always comparing themselves to other people. And it's always about, do I measure up? Am I as good? And the the actual success and confidence comes from the self-love, the self-awareness, the self-expression. And if we can show our kids, oh, I'm not worrying about what car's body looks like or what car she drives or where she lives. I'm thinking about, oh, car's a good friend to me and that helps me be the person I want to be. I really appreciate that. I'm wondering, is there baggage that you bring from your own puberty experience into the experience? Because your daughter, right, often we think, oh, well, my child's experience in puberty is going to be just like my experience in puberty, which is obviously not the case. You're a perfect example. Is there stuff that you're bringing to parenting her that's not about your perimenopause, but is about your years and how you were raised or how you went to school or what your identity was in those days that is informing how you're parenting your daughter? I think just the decades between us and where feminism and female pride has come is not what I grew up with. I'm 53. So I don't know, do the math. I got my period 40 years ago. It was such a different time. And there was shame. You know, it was like, I remember hiding my tampon up my sleeve. And totally. I went to an all girls school. Like same, who cares? <laughs> yes. It wasn't even like there were boys around. I remember going into the drugstore to buy feminine products and literally just feeling my freckles on fire, like so mortified. And when my daughter got her period, I think I tried to overcompensate. Mm. Like, oh my God, look at this tampon. It's so cool. Like you could wear it as a hair accessory. Like I think I tried to override what I experienced. And my daughter was like, ho, 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 take it easy. You know, like we don't need to be so familiar with these products. Let me have my moment of being uncomfortable. But I tried so hard to be like this fourth wave feminist who is like, you know, just carry your pad, like put it on the outside, have a see-through bag so people can see that you have (laughs) a pad. In the very beginning of COVID, everyone was sort of stocking up as much as they could, right? And there's a CVS that is walkable from our house. And my daughter and I went to CVS and we're like, we better load up on pads and tampons. So you know, there's no shame right. anymore in grabbing the gigantic, <laughs> you know, bounty, super-sized roll of, right, pads. But when they went to pack up, the box of pads was so big. It was sort of a soft wrap. that The guy at CVS 
he taped oh, a I know. strap. Yeah. That know handle. This, the oh, yeah. handle strap. And I have a picture of her <laughs> walking down the street. And there, you know, people are furiously hoarding all sorts of stuff. And she's got her pads slung <laughs> over her shoulder. Her Balenciaga bag. <laughs> totally. It was <laughs> Just so... Just walking into the sunset. And it was such a moment of, yeah. you know, I'm like you. I wanted to rewrite it for her in the way I wanted her to live it. And she got there in her way, which is partly a gift of the time and partly sort of a gift of us being able to step back a little and breathe and give them the space. I never, by the way, would have strapped my bag of pads and marched down the street in full view. Absolutely not. In fact, we never said the P word in my house. Like my mom really likes the P word. (laughs) And now I will say in front of my husband, I'm like, Tess has her period. So and Tess looks at me like, no, you know, do not. And I realized that's me, like you said, overcompensating for the shame that existed, but not giving her the space to find her comfort level. Yeah. So that's my baggage. As someone who you love products, beauty products, and, you know, products that serve us as women, as people, what was the process like in your house for like finding the best products for your daughter? In terms of feminine products? Yeah. Like, did you get like really into it? I didn't. I didn't. I'm so self-absorbed. I guess I'm <laughs> like just my own skincare and hair care. So I have no room for your tampons because that's I'm true. looking at this new serum right now. I did buy her Thinks. Yes. So um, I brought those into the house. Very thick and great. But I think she was a little like, wow, this is an interesting feeling. Nick's, Nick's or might be she might like those okay. better. They're not as thick. Yes. And I did take her bra shopping and I would have taken her to Target, but I was like, we can't handle Target this time. So I took her to Nordstrom. I thought we're going to have a fancy mother-daughter yeah. moment. And that place was such a shit show. They have no bras for kids, which is how I came to yeah. find Umla. And it was terrible. I had to buy her skims that cost like $65. <gasps> I'm a cheap mom. As you know, I'm focusing on my own skincare and not... But <laughs> not I did in buy, the, I did not buy in her, the budget, kiddo. I did buy her organic tampons. Uh, Not tampons, excuse me, pads. Mm -hmm. And I showed her a tampon and I said, do you want to talk about this? And she said, not right now. Good, which is perfect. Yes, that's perfect. And and incredibly common. Yeah, but I will say I did write an article for Marie Claire probably like five years ago about all the feminine care products. And I was really amazed to see what's out there now. Yeah, In terms of tampons and hygiene. Menstrual cups. Yes, all of it. What do you wish would have been different for her other than probably just getting it a little bit later, um, I would imagine. But in terms of just the the whole experience of being an early bloomer. I guess I thought I was going to say I wish she didn't get it during COVID, but it turned out to be a bit of a blessing mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. that she didn't have to go to school, but also such an isolating time. Right. And your mom and dad can only give you so much guidance or company that you're you're seeking. So It would have been nice probably if she could have talked to friends about it in person. I will say my daughter got her period on the full moon and she still thinks she's a witch. And I fully (laughs) endorse that. Don't disabuse her (laughs) of that. That's like very cool. I've even said to her, could you be a psychic too? Because I love psychics. I got my period on April Fool's Day. You did? Yes. I would have taken a full moon (laughs) any day of the week. It was my 14th birthday. Oh, Cara's story is amazing. It was my 14th birthday. And? And Shirley MacLaine was winning her Oscar for Terms of Endearment. And tell Monica what you were wearing. And my parents 
had recently separated and they were back together for the first time in a few weeks. And it was the year of the Olympics in LA and I was wearing the full USA white tracksuit. And I have three brothers. Are we done with this story yet? (laughs) I mean, if you ever wonder why Cara does what she does, all you you need need is that is that story. Is that what prompted you to do what you do? Was that your epiphany aha moment, if you will? The retrospective scope (laughs) might say yes, but at the moment, no. At the moment, no, I had no empowerment moment, no magical aha moment. I was cowering and I was old. I was 14. So everyone I knew had been through it and it still felt isolating and it wasn't COVID and it wasn't. So I think, but to your point, I think you are so right about so many of these gating experiences, these huge milestone moments kids had alone. And some of them are milestones that are painful to have in front of other people. Your acne erupts, your mustache starts to grow, you get a period. And the the inclination is that being alone made it easier. But I'm with you that the lack of the tribe actually made it harder in certain ways. Talking about it, and I think the onus is more on us as women, and I mean onus in a good way, if that can be defined as such, because there isn't sex education for women when we're in midlife. So it's really incumbent on us to talk to each other, to bring it up, because once you do, other women are more comfortable about it. And I experienced this when I went through infertility. When I started talking about doing IVF, other women would take me aside and say, who's your doctor? And how many times have you done it? And it's such a moment of desperation for women, much like I think going through perimenopause is that if you bring it up, invariably other women will want to talk about it. It's just we have to make it part of the conversation. There are great books that are on the market about menopause more and more every year. There's a gynecologist who's based up in San Francisco named Jen Gunter, who is very opinionated and so evidence-based and so thoughtful about it and I think has really moved the needle. It's called the Menopause Manifesto. Manifesto. And she has a great newsletter called The Vagenda, which makes me laugh every (laughs) time. I love her. She's great. And I think she is a torchbearer for this, right? Yes. Because... It's not that the content didn't exist. It's that we all felt that the content didn't exist. The content was totally siloed. And one of the things that she and other people in the field are doing is they're bringing the content to the fore and saying, talk about it. Talk about it. Help each other through it. Partly because you won't be afraid of certain things that are happening. Partly because it totally normalizes the experience. Partly because Menopause should not be a roadblock. Menopause should be a little speed bump, teeny tiny little speed bump, if that, right? And so I encourage people to start educating themselves because not talking about it, not labeling it, not naming it, that then just engenders more and more and more fear around it. So Monica, we like to end with a practical puberty takeaway. We let you go last so you can think about it. It could also be a practical, in this case, perimenopause Mm. or a practical puberty and perimenopause takeaway because the alliteration still works. Thank God. So for me, the image of you, when you found out your daughter got her period, the image of you trying to rearrange your face is such a powerful image because it's so symbolic of what we work at every day as parents. And that is 
we can't help have our initial reactions, but we can help with what we do after that moment. And you have the consciousness, the awareness to do it in the moment. 99% of the time, I certainly can't do that. But the opportunity to shift our reaction and our approach to what's going on with our kids, even when we're elevated or worried or scared or stressed, is such a powerful tool to use with our kids. Um, And your daughter is so lucky that you had the presence of mind to shift the energy in that moment. So that's my, I'm going to, I'm going to carry with me that moment where your face changed from horror and fear to openness and love. Thank you. I'm going to carry that all weekend. (laughs) My takeaway is the value of your honesty. I think what you have done in your life Maybe this is your journalistic training, but it's to it's to assess a situation around you and to be raw and honest with yourself and then to own it and to move on. And it's clear. It's clear in this conversation that whether it's in the parenting role or in your personal journey, that the value of honesty with yourself is enormous. So you had a daughter who went through the beginning stage of puberty because she's still very much in it in a very unanticipated way. And to be honest about how you felt allowed you to be there for her in a different way. I think we all strive to be honest, but there's something about the way you do it that I'm pulling from this conversation that's going to make me tweak the way I do it the next time. Because it's funny as hell. It's so funny. (laughs) Oh my God, I feel like such a better mom than I did walking in here. Good. Good. My daughter is going to listen to this. Yes, she's five stars. This. You got five stars, but she um, did too. I really appreciate that because you know there is no roadmap, and especially when you have one child and it's your first, and you have a baby late. It's like this is all I got. I got to do this right. So I appreciate that. My takeaway will be to your point about honesty. You know, just saying my age. Like earlier when we were talking, I think I sort of danced around it a little bit, and then at one point I said it. And I find that as a woman in her 50s, just saying my age, the more I say it, the less it matters. And I encourage women to do that because it's very freeing and it really doesn't define you. And there is this, I don't know why men aren't asked, like women aren't supposed to say their age. No one's supposed to ask a woman her age, but the same doesn't apply to men. It's a stupid double standard, but it reinforces that we should be embarrassed about getting older and ashamed of our age. So say your age. Monica, thank you so much. We love having you. It's such a treat. Thank you. I really love being here. Thank you. Yeah, I learned a lot. And um, I just appreciate the time with you both so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. You can follow us anywhere you get your podcasts or check out our Instagram at The Puberty Podcast. If you have questions or stories to share, email us at thepubertypodcast at gmail.com. And for more puberty info, check out myumla.com or dynamogirl.com. Bye. Selling a little or a lot? 
Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A. FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.